Welcome to the Joshua Project Podcast. Oh yeah. This is our new series that we're doing called uh, Joshua Project with Friends, uh, episode two. How cool is that? But I was thinking the other day, some of y'all been listening to the JP podcast for a number of years, and then there was this hiatus, and you're like, wait a minute, you guys are back, what's going on now? Hey, if you haven't been following the story, uh, my family was called out of California. I mean, that's a hard decision to make in and of itself, being a beach boy. Uh, But yeah, here we are, pastoring a small church in Livingston, Montana. Um, And I'm a pastor, so I'm going to give you some numbers because that's what pastors do. We measure ourselves and our success by numbers. Well, maybe most do. I don't really care about numbers, but it is pretty cool to share with you that we started here with zero kids um, in this church. And now we have a thriving children's ministry called Kingdom Movers. Uh, This next generation that's actually moving the kingdom for God. Before I got here, there were zero baptisms for five years and we're over 30 now. We've stopped counting how many baptisms we've done. And we've increased church membership, and it's probably a whole new demographic here, actually. Um, And it's the hardest job I ever took on. Nobody ever told me about how hard it was to be a pastor. So if you have a pastor and you've texted him and you've called him and um, he's never texted you back or called you back, man, I'm just a pastor of a little tiny church, and, and I get that now. I like when my sending pastor calls me and I ain't got no time to give him a call back. (laughs) The shoe's on the other foot now. But today we have uh, someone who's become um, a close friend of mine in Montana, uh, Cody Wood. Hey, Bryce. What's up, cowboy? Oh, not much, man. Just enjoying this quarantine life. It's a little different, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually loving it, man. Okay, so let's just get into it then. What is it about quarantine? What is it about lockdown that you can actually sit here and say out loud that you're enjoying it? Man, one, so I've got three kids. As you know, I've got two 13-year-olds and an 11-year-old. And literally, man, we're pulled in every different direction because of those three. And then I'm trying to run a business and my wife is a nurse and we're just pulled all over the place all the time. And all of a sudden everything just put the brakes on. I mean, everything is slowed down. My kids are at home more. I'm at home more. And like the, the bonding and all of the the fun that we've had as a family, man, it's priceless. Like I I'm loving it, man. I'm absolutely loving it. No more rushing back and forth between volleyball practice and cheer practice and violin recitals and football practice. and. Yep, absolutely. I could feel that. Mine was a little different. Mine was uh, running back and forth between cheer practice and bowling practice. Um, hey, man, Shane can very well become the next kingpin. <laughs> um, yeah, I look forward to that. Hey, Uh, You mentioned it, so I just want to throw a huge shout out there to your wife and all of the essential workers, but especially those working in hospice and the hospitals right now. Um, Maybe explain to us who who aren't in that realm 
Uh, we've heard stories of, of nurses and doctors that have actually isolated themselves from their families because of, you know, they're in uh, hospitals that are highly contagious. Um, so they've been without their family. They've been out without that personal touch for a few weeks now. What's the story like? What's the temperature at your house with your wife working at the hospital? Well, for us, man, so Ange uh, has actually been a part of the whole testing process. So she actually works um, and has done the testing uh, for, for the COVID. Um, but she's all donned up. She's got the whole PPE, the face mask, uh, the shields, um, all the stuff that you see on the news and you've seen on, on reports. Uh, that's what she wears uh, whenever she's in the, the testing clinic. And she's been in there quite a bit and has been around people that have either suspected of being sick, are sick, you know, all, all those types of things. And whenever they first asked her to, to be a part of it, we had this conversation about one, do we do this? Do we put our family at, at risk in this way? And if we do do this, what do we do as a family? So the, the first question of, do we do this? Um, you know, my first initial gut reaction to, to my wife being put in that situation was no, like, I don't want my wife to, to be put in that. But then after that initial reaction, it's like, no, there's two, there's two types of people in this world. There's the people that, that run from situations and there's people that run into situations. Yeah. And, and we decided as a family, we're going to be the people that run into situations. And we're going to do that with boldness and with courage. And, and we're going to be there to, to help people in whatever way. Um, I've got a background. I used to be a firefighter EMT uh, as well. And I, I've actually volunteered or offered to volunteer if things do get crazy uh, down there as well. So we're, we're just sitting on ready as far as that goes. Um, and Ange, every day, she's just grinding it out, uh, doing her thing there at the hospital. And, uh, and since then, so she's been doing it. We, so we do have some friends whose, whose wives and, and husbands are, are in the medical field and they literally haven't seen their families for weeks. And we just decided that we weren't going to do that. Mm. We're, um, and, and that's, I think it's all a personal decision because, and it's no judgment on, on other people. Um, I can only tell you how we feel and, and what we're doing is we're not going to live in fear. Um, you know, I, I feel like if, if she's supposed to get it, if I'm supposed to get it, we're going to get it no matter what we do. And we serve a sovereign God who's going to take care of us one way or the other, uh, whether we get it or not. Now that doesn't mean we're being stupid. You know, we're not walking around licking doorknobs and, um, and doing stupid things. Uh, and we're kind of sticking to, to the house, sticking close, only going out whenever we have to, um, but we're not gonna we're not gonna live in fear. Um, we're just gonna gonna trust that everything's gonna be okay, and God's gonna work it all out. Yeah, kind of a a fitting testimony as we find ourselves approaching Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Uh, man, there's a sermon in there somewhere. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I believe that yes, we we should be taking precautions. We should be safe. We should uh, obey. Um, and follow the recommendations of our governing authorities. Um, and honestly, man, I wrestled with that. I think I talked about that last Sunday sermon, but uh, I really wrestled with the fact of like not assembling for church. Like, 
come on, man, we got the blood of Jesus, man. We're going to meet, we're going to um, uh, do so boldly and courageously. We're not going to be scared. Man, man, the worst thing that happens is we get to go home. But then I thought, well, there's something that happens there. We're putting other people at risk now. Um, we aren't obeying the governing authorities. And we're also saying to the other churches, like, dude, look at us. We're a little bit more holier than you. We, we have a little bit more faith than you because we're... So I decided, you know what, let's just get together in unity with what the local church is doing. Um, and it's been a struggle for me but I think it's the right decision. So I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I want to bring this one up. Uh, you may have seen uh, some of these uh, social media posts. You may have heard. Um, I'm just throwing this out there. I've done about two seconds of research on this, uh, but I heard this report of uh, this, this person walked into a hospital in New York and it was empty in there. They were talking about this mass need of respirators and ventilators. And so this guy says, I'm going to go into my local hospital and check it out. And it was empty in there. I don't well, know. What do, you, what do you want to say about like that? Well, so that, that's interesting. You bring up New York. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist as well. Maybe not to the level that you are, but I'm, I don't necessarily buy everything that's being spoon fed to us. Um, but I actually have a buddy right now that I went to high school with who's an RN that is a traveling RN. So he does um, contracts, you know, and all that. Right. Well, he is, uh, he actually is on day three right now of being in New York, uh, working at a hospital in Queens. And he's kind of an ICU specialist. And so he was saying that the hospital that he is at, and see, I just touched my face. You see how, I mean, I'm being real proactive with this COVID stuff. Um, but anyway, he said that, uh, there you go. Uh, I think one night they, there, they had like 16 codes and he's, he's been taking care of like eight patients on ventilators. So, I mean, it's from, from what I'm hearing boots on the ground from somebody I know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, Yep. I mean, it, he's at least going through some of that stuff too. Um, now, wait a minute though. Let's go back for a second. You said, I'm not as big of a conspiracy theorist as you are. What the heck does that mean? What conspiracy <laughs> theories have you heard me stand on? Yeah, no, that's, that's true. <laughs> but no, I think that one of the things that I'm concerned about is is I'm, I'm pretty, pretty libertarian in my views. And part of that comes from the fact that I don't like being told what to do. Yeah, sure. And, uh, and I've got some, I've got a little bit of a problem with how some of our civil liberties are being pulled back right now. I mean, so I went for a hike yesterday in uh, big sky. Uh, it was an absolutely beautiful day here in Montana and we had all been cooped up for so long. My brain wasn't really working. It was great to be out. It was so beautiful. I could not believe the amount of people on the trail. Now, we were the first one on the trailhead and the second one up the mountain. Um, that says a little bit about our speed. But um, it, I was surprised with how many people were out. Now, it was actually pretty cool, right? Because you're on the single track trail. Um, and so when someone would come up or down, 
somebody, usually the one going down, would jump six feet off of the trail. <laughs> we are practicing our social distancing even while we're able to get outside and enjoy. But like, dude, Oceanside, California, they're, they, they've shut the beach. You can't even get in the water to surf. And yeah, that bugs me. I don't like, dude, how are you going to yeah. tell me that I can't be in the water surfing? I'm not near anybody. Right. Well, Washington uh, has shut down fishing. That's crazy. Yeah, and then because because of Oregon, or Oregon being right there, out of solidarity, Oregon also has shut down fishing uh, in their state. Yeah, which that it just boggles my mind. Um, so, and like I said, some of that's being just not being like being told what to do. Hey, so tell us a little bit uh, about your family and how quote unquote church has changed for you. Like kind of like walk us through that. Is church still a Sunday activity? Are you guys finding yourselves doing church like more often, more personal time, more family Bible study? What does church look like for a family? Well, for us, it's been, what. Yeah, we haven't had the Sunday service, uh, but again, like it hasn't, beyond that, it hasn't changed much just because we're, we're constantly trying to put things in, in our kids' paths uh, just on a, on a daily basis and in, and in conversation that pushes them forward, that grows them. Um, what I will say, though, is I guess uh, even before this, we've been real conscious of our dinner time. So like at dinner every night we, we eat together. We don't, you know, we don't fix and then, and then go different directions and watch TV while we eat or, or any of that sort of stuff. We, we sit and we eat as a family and that's an opportunity for us to talk. And what I've, what I've found is I, our dinner times are lingering more and more. So in, and that's that opportunity after we get done eating our opportunity to really as you said, kind of do church. So in, in some ways, most days we are doing church as far as we're talking, we're, you know, the kids, I, I know uh, whenever the stuff first got started, the kids were real worried about what that was going to look like. And we talked about, you know, that we're going to put our faith in God through this. We're going to, we're not going to let uh, fear overtake us. We're going to be smart, um, but we're going to walk in his promises. And then um, so I would say that it's, I wouldn't necessarily call what we do very structured per se, uh, but it's definitely very organic and it's, it's very much meeting the kids where they are right now um, and being able to walk them through that. And it's, it's funny as, as we've been trying to kind of teach through and talk through some of these, these issues, it's again, like reassuring to, to Angie and I, and it's, it's bringing up all of those, those promises that we've stood on in years past it's bringing all that stuff back up for us as well as we walk through it with our kids right so are you guys tuning in online to a church service like on a sunday in your pajamas with a cup of coffee yeah we've done we've watched uh the services at first baptist uh, just kind of i think one time we were in bed and just just laying there watching it in bed um we haven't, let's see, on, on Easter, uh, we're going to be a little bit more structured about it uh, because it is Easter Sunday. 
Um, we, we've already kind of talked about what we want that day to look like. So we're actually going to, instead of watching it on our devices, uh, we're going to hook it up to the TV. Um, and we're going to watch it on the, on the TV. And so just so that it's bigger and, and a little bit more engaging, yeah. um, versus, uh, versus watching it on a, a phone or an iPad. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We found, uh, very similar with like dinner times where we actually get to gather around the table. Um, normally Naomi's at cheer or Shane's coming home from bowling. And so it's so sporadic and sometimes we cook and then Naomi eats later. Um, but dinner time has often turned into family game night. Um, one time I was even talked into doing a TikTok. Um, I highly encourage you, Cody, to participate. You have two girls at home. I'm sure we can um, rile them up to get you involved. I would love to see your TikTok. Yeah, I assure you that will not be happening. It could happen. It happened for me. I could assure you too. Um, yeah, well. Nope, nope, it ain't happening. But guess what happened? Yeah. Well, we had a, uh, we did have actually a TikTok dance night at our house as well that, um, again, I watched but did not participate. And okay, well, you know what? This is where we could work on not being fearful anymore. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, one of the things that uh, I think a lot of us are doing um, is uh, some home projects. And I've noticed uh, via the great wide world of social media, you guys have done some pretty cool family projects. So what have you guys been working on? Yeah, so what, two two weeks ago, uh, we built uh, raised beds for a garden that we're gonna have uh, this uh, here in a couple weeks, month, whatever, this summer. Uh, so we built raised beds as a family, uh, which was pretty cool. It's, uh, what is it? It's, a, it's a kind of a U-shaped uh, and it's 12 feet by 12 feet by 12 feet. Uh, so pretty good size raised bed. And then uh, we bought some chicks. Uh, we are, we're not these people that are panic buying chickens, uh, which is kind of a weird thing to me. Um, they can't keep chickens here locally, the little baby chicks. Yeah. Cause they're, they're being sold out in like an hour here wow. uh, from people literally panic buying chicks. Uh, and they have no idea what they're doing, going to do with them. Um, but we have a, uh, had an old coop. I've had chickens before. Uh, we just, with everything going on the last few years with building the house and stuff, we haven't had any chickens. So uh, we bought some, we bought 17 uh, little baby chicks last week. So um, kids are all part of helping that, helping with that. Um, we had to redo the coop. We repainted it, cleaned up some of the area. Um, so that's all pretty cool. And then uh, this weekend, we're gonna do some more work around there. Uh, we're actually getting pigs as well so come uh come november we're gonna have pork for days um what else i'm also building a uh a root cellar so that's going to be kind of an all-summer project though oh, um yeah. so you got to get that dug out I, I dug it out with the tractor as much as i could now i'm hand digging um so i get that built um yeah so i got tons of projects going on man so you just said that you weren't panic buying chicks, but you just, if I heard you right, you said you had 17 chicks. Yeah. So is there like a ratio of like someone's not going to make it and that's why oh, yeah. so many? Yep. Yep. Ch chickens are born looking for a place to die. Huh. So yeah, they're, they're, they're fragile animals, man. So uh, yeah, I mean, between predators, you know, things, getting them hawks, 
the neighbor's dog, um, coyotes, stuff like that. Um, and then sometimes they just die. You just go out in the coop and you'll have a dead chicken. So, so I'm, I'm imagining then that there's this um, time in your day. We have a lot of time on our hands now because we're quarantined or we're locked down where you're actually like got these little chicks in your arms just kind of cuddling them as, in your lazy boy. Dude, you know me so well. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. If I'm not going to cuddle with my dog, I'm not going to cuddle with chicks. So. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just thinking, man, 17 chicks, that's a, uh, that's a lot of eggs. Yeah, well, I mean, man, our family, if we have eggs, we're going through a dozen and a half in one morning. I mean, we, go, we buy them five dozen at a time uh, from Costco. And so, I mean, we go through a bunch of eggs at my house. Yeah. So, and then plus, if we have any left over, then uh, instead of tithing, we're just going to give you eggs. How's that sound? Right now, it sounds like a good deal. <laughs> Although, hey, I did go to Costco yesterday. It was so eerie being at Costco yesterday because um, I could park wherever I wanted. Um, they sprayed down the cart before I walked in. Um, there was barely anybody in there. Um, they had everything I wanted. I got Charmin toilet paper, not Forest Green toilet paper. Oh, nice. Actual Charmin brand toilet paper. The um, ultra soft or ultra strong? Ultra soft. I like the ultra soft for my. I, yeah. I do as well. Yep, yes. that's my go-to. And but you know, I was a little disappointed in the fact that like um, their menu was very limited. It said that they only had essential items. Somebody deemed that hot dogs and pizza were essential. I totally disagree, man. I wanted my frozen strawberry yogurt. To me, that wasn't an essential. I just got done hiking six miles and I was looking forward to that. And I was quite upset. Oh, they're, they're the food court. Yes. Oh man. That's a now, but they're, dude, their hot dogs and pizza are pretty good. That's true, but it's not what my heart's content was for. <laughs> well, and they're not doing samples anymore either. So it's kind of like, Costco's yeah, pointless now. I kind of got that one and I thought like, hey, I should be funny and go ask one of the people standing around here with a Costco badge on. Hey, where's all the samples today? Um, <laughs> I'm sure they yeah. probably heard that joke a hundred times already. Yeah. So were, were they pretty full of stuff? I mean, was it pretty stocked at Costco? It was pretty stocked. Um, okay. I got everything that I needed when I was there. And, nice. Um, yeah. It was just such a trip being in there. Um everybody practicing their social distancing as best they can with a Costco cart and they got all the plexiglass up between you and the cashier and they just tape your receipt onto the front of your basket now. So nobody touches it. Nobody, I don't even know why they have someone standing at the door. I thought, yeah. you know what? I should just bring my receipt back in here and get a basket and somehow wiggle, wiggle my way past the uh, cashier. And <laughs> Yeah. That sounds like a good plan for faster. Yeah, I mean, got to take advantage of these times. Yeah, that's funny. Well, hey, speaking of social distancing, um, I kind of, I found a, a, a big advantage of social distancing now. So my, uh, my teenage daughter, my 13-year-old daughter has uh, a, a boyfriend uh, 
they weren't putting labels on it, but now they're decided that they're boyfriend and girlfriend. So for whatever that, that means, uh, I've met the kid, the kid's afraid of me. Um, so that's a good thing. Well, he wanted to come, come over the other day and they got this great big idea that he was going to ride his bike over to our house. And, and he lives in town and you know where we live, we live out of town. So he rode his bike all the way from town out to our place and, and came out and, uh, Daniel, who's the, the other 13 year old, um, he, uh, found a stick or a, it's a board that was about seven feet long and wrote Corona, well, like Corona 2020, uh, social distancing, and then put that stick in between them outside and said, you guys can only get this close. And I think that might actually be something that we keep even after the coronavirus is gone. Yes. It's still at your house. Yes, it's it's at my house. It's going to stay there. See, this is great. That made it, it worth tuning into this podcast right there. Right. So, I mean, I think that dating policy is awesome. Is it okay if we do that with our with my wife? Uh, yeah, I think she'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, hey, how about uh, leaving us with a good word? We're heading into Good Friday tonight and Resurrection Sunday. Tell me what that means for you and your family. You've, you've been around the block, Cody. Um, if you don't know Cody's story, he, he was a pastor for many years. He's a seminary graduate um, and uh, a great friend. But uh, you, you've experienced uh, a lot of this in your walk with Jesus. So why don't you give us a closing word about Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday? You know, as you look at, as we think about Good Friday and think about what, what had to have been going on in the lives of the disciples on Good Friday and those that stood, you know, either there at the feet of the cross or those that knew what was going on, um, it, it had to have felt really hopeless. I mean, I can't even imagine this, this man that, that I've, would have followed for years and and trusted in and believed in and then to watch him be beaten and put on the cross and and killed in in one of the most brutal ways possible it had to have been just a time of of very little hope and a time of despair and a time of fear and a time of of really just not knowing what was going on and i can't imagine what was going on Saturday. You know, we talk about Good Friday and we talk about Easter Sunday, but what did Saturday look like? What did Saturday look like for those guys? Saturday was this this dark day, I've got to believe. It's between the death and the resurrection. And I feel like right now in the the time that we're in right now, we're kind of living in Saturday a little bit. We're living in this in this space between you know, something bad's going on in our, in our world, our economy, our, everything looks bleak right now. And what are we going to do with today? What are we going to do with our Saturday? Are we going to tuck tail and run? Are we going to live in fear? Are we going to give up hope? Are we going to say, you know, where is God in this? Or are we going to trust that what he has told us is true? And that as the old, uh, I can't remember who it was now that, that said it, but Sunday's coming. 
and with the the death and then ultimate resurrection, Sunday was coming. And as we live through these strange times right now, Sunday's coming. And for those of us that are that are struggling, those of us, like you said earlier, you know, you're kind of not really, um, uh, you know, you're just not sure your things, you can't think, and I, I'm doing the same thing right now, um, you know, where things are just all kind of jumbled up and mixed up right now. Um, Sunday's coming. And, and God's going to work all this out. And in this craziness, these are strange, weird times that we live in. None of this took God by surprise, and He's going to work it all out uh, for His good and glory, and He's going to work this out for us um, because Sunday's coming. Amen, amen. Well, hey, uh, thanks for joining us, Cody. I look forward to having you on more podcasts. Um, um, if you're just listening to the podcast and you're not watching this on YouTube, uh, you can go to Bryce Mauer uh, on YouTube and subscribe. Um, Cody has a face for podcasting. So absolutely. We, we are stoked to have you brother. Um, I just love to share our story with the listeners more, um, the way that we met and stuff like that, because I think it's a cool story and I think it applies to a lot of us in life and in the way that we, um, pour into others. And so that's my, that's my request as we close this episode number two of the Joshua Project podcast is would you guys just go out there and love those around you even the difficult ones love them the way that Jesus did man he left us such a beautiful example and I believe it's worth following so until next time my friends be well and love one another peace